The songs like we've sung that remind us of the life that we live or the hope that we have, the encouragement that we receive by our contemplation over what God has done for us and what he has in store for us as we live our lives here day by day to keep our perspective where it needs to be. John, as he writes in the gospel, in the 15th chapter, starting at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go forth, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father... In my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If we were to ask any Christian, basically, what is the greatest commandment? The answer might be to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Or it might be, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But Christ's greatest command is that we love one another as Christ has loved us. John says basically the same thing in the 13th chapter of John, in verse 34. That we love one another. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, we're to love one another. That concept that as you look at the life of Jesus, as we talked about why did he come to this earth, and why did he go through the things that he did, the answer being because he loved us. He was doing the Father's will. And there's an indication in there for us, if you will, that our doing the Father's will does not necessarily mean there's no problems in our life. Does not mean there's no setbacks in our lives, no disappointments, no heartaches, no persecutions, because they all came to Jesus. 
as he loved us and came to this earth, as he was willing to give his life, he went through those trials and those tribulations. Why? The other side as well is what enabled him to have that type of love that he would endure the suffering of this physical life in an effort to provide a way of salvation for the majority of those who would not accept, receive, and be blessed by what he has done. Love as the Father has loved me, Jesus said. To catch, to whatever degree that we can, to catch that concept of that love that the Father had for you. That he had for the Son. And that he was with the Son as he was here on the earth. And that he's with us as we walk here on the earth. Again, as we read the word love, oftentimes and we understand it's the supreme love that seeks the best interest of another. But as English-speaking people, the word love automatically draws up some other images for us. The emotional type of love. The affectionate type of love. And it's hard for us sometimes to have our thinking rise above that type of love that is emotional, that is friendship, that is family. And to think about that supreme love and the seeking of the best interest, despite what it meant to the individual expressing that love. Again, to catch a glimpse of the Father, to read of his, particularly of his crucifixion on the cross, to read of the darkness on the face of the earth during the brightest part of the day from noon to three. Of the fathers watching his son or knowing his son was dying on that cross. It's hard to, to grasp that concept. You talk about love and you talk about family love, if you will, and there's a strong emotional tie. There are things that we would do, including the giving of our life, if it meant the saving of the life of, an, of one of our family members. But it's hard to conceive of that type of love that would give the life to the one that would despise the giving of that life. 
as humanity has done to what Jesus has done on the cross. It's hard to watch a child anguish and suffer and die. The willingness of the parent to be willing to do anything, to exchange places with that child, if it would be possible. Think what it would be like having the power. But because of the need, not exercising that power. Jesus talked about being able to call 12 legions of angels down to assist him. The legion being about 6,000, so about 72,000 angels were at his disposal. But he didn't need angels, did he? Being God, he had the power within himself to come down off that cross. To listen to those taunts, if you be the Son of God, come down off that cross and we will believe you. And not doing that because of love. And then Jesus telling us here in John 15 and also in John 13, you love as I have loved you. You go back and you read the early part of John 13. You read of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, all of his disciples, even the one who would betray him. And to remind them, you do not know what I'm doing. Later on you will, but right now you don't know what I'm doing. The willingness to serve. And then to say, this is how you two love one another. By this shall the world know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. But again, he had prefaced that with love as I have loved you. It's what we struggle with. Partly because we fail to really accept the promise that Jesus gave and the promise that the Father gave. I am with you. That changes things. That changes things. It did for Jesus as he closed out his life on the cross. Where it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust you that this act, the physical act of living on this earth, this act of being rejected by humanity, this act of being betrayed by those whom you spent your three years down here in ministry with, this act of rejection. But the Father is still there. That he trusted that that would work for the will of the Father. And that has not changed. 
Many things we go through in this life, trials, tribulations, distress, persecutions, rejection, are not acting as we ought to act, are not trusting as we need to trust, are forgetting who we belong to, are forgetting what it cost. We gather around the Lord's table, and it is to be that reminder to us, but so many times when we gather around the Lord's table, do we really take that time to give some serious reflection on why, why that had to be? And why he took something as common as unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine as his choice for us to remember the sacrifice that sometimes we so easily forget. We gather a bigger concept, if you will, in understanding that it is sin that separates us from God, that it is only the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away those sins, that only comes when we surrender our will to Him, that we repent of those sins, confess Him, obey Him in baptism, be raised to walk in that new life. But sometimes we forget in that daily life that we live. Sometimes we forget in that careless moment. Sometimes we forget when we make a willful willful decision that does not harmonize with God's will, that no matter how minor the transaction is or the transgression is, no matter how inconsequential it may seem to be, and no matter how no one may be aware of it, that transgression caused Jesus to die on the cross. He died for that sin. It cost God tremendously. We oftentimes sing the invitation song, and we're going to talk about nothing but the blood, but in that, there's a fountain free, flows for you, flows for me. It's a fountain that's free, but when you look at God's side, it was never free. That love that before he formed the world, he formed redemption. To catch again this world in its magnitude, in its beauty. As great as it is, as magnificent as it is, your soul is more precious than that. That he's laid a course out of human history how he chooses to operate in human history as us as individuals are leaving in the hands of God. But there's too much that I read in Scripture 
too much that I've seen in life for me to say God does not care what I do. Cannot say that. He's moved in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He's brought about changes in our lives that sometimes did not come about in the way that we thought or may have anticipated or that we may be struggling with as trying to figure out how does that work for the glory and the splendor of God. How does that honor him? And then I get to read the scriptures. Read the scriptures of his choosing. His choosing. Twelve common men. Common in the, the eyes of men. Not of the elite society. And he would choose these men, handpick them, to be the ones that he would give what we call a great commission in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16 and Luke 24. Stated again in Acts 2, 1 and 2. What God's intent was. And to see the struggle that these early Christians had We read in Acts 8, verse 1 through 4, of a great persecution that arose in Jerusalem or in Judea, and the disciples being scattered abroad, and that they went everywhere preaching the word. Then you read later on that as they went everywhere preaching the word, at that time they were only preaching the word to the Jews. They still haven't grasped the magnitude of God's love. That all the world, included every soul in the world, Jew or Gentile, that every soul Jesus gave his life for. So this concept of again abiding in God's love that John is talking about. Do we understand what he's trying to get us to see? Love as he has love, but to see more than that. To understand as a, as a child of the living God, as a child washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, as a child who's been added by the Lord to his body, the church, God abides in us. Love one another as I have loved you and as the Father has loved me. He could love us with that supreme love because the Father loved him with that supreme love. And that we're not on our own 
as we face trials and tribulations in life. We're not on our own as we suffer setbacks, as we are opportunities re to rejoice, as we have those opportunities to grow and to express love for each other and love for one another and, and love for those who are still outside the body of Christ. But John, as he writes, again, as you read the closing of John, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing on him, you might have life in his name. These things were written that you can believe. The message is one that Human-wise, really does not compute. The world just totally rejects it. The world doesn't even want to consider it. But it takes that determination to say, there's something beyond this world. There's something beyond us. And it's beneficial for us to find out who that is. And it's beneficial for us to understand why he did what he did. The song that we're singing, oh, why did my Savior come to earth and give his life for me? The only answer we have is because he loved me so. That's the only thing that ever comes out is because he loved me so. And that's hard to grasp. That he loved us so while we were sinners that Jesus died for us. Then as you read Romans 5 and verses 8 through 10, you catch a little bit more about that. That if he loved us when we were an enemy, an enemy of God, if he loved us when we were without strength, no way to save ourselves, no way to achieve that. If he loved us while we were sinners and while we were weak, Paul says, how much more, how much more do you think he loves you now that you are his child? Ponder on that for a while. Think about that. The magnitude of that love that extends to enemies, but how great that love must be for those who are close to him. The Father and the Son and the Spirit. And then his children. How great that love must be. That you're not on your own. And we have what we need supplied for us if we believe his word, if we trust him with our soul, and if we truly understand 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He's acted because he loves you. He's asking you, how much do you love him? And his loving us, he was obedient to the Father. And our loving him, are we obedient to the Father? Jesus, God says, I provided a means of salvation to all of those who will come. As you look at your life, as you look at your soul, as you look at your relationship, is it as close as the relationship between the Father and the Son? Do we trust him? Are we willing to obey him? If your life is not where it needs to be, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way in making a change in that life, indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.